wanted to mention our antagonist Jafar. Fun fact, lovers, did you know that in the OJ, they were, did I say OJ? Wow, OG. The, in the Hello lovers and welcome back to another episode of Starring Cupid, starring me. It is your boy Zomadonix that the more nothing that's from the east, not the west. Lime in the coconut make it best. We're back and we're going bigger this episode. I wanted to take, I wanna say advantage of this platform and I wanted to settle a battle that has been raging on on film Twitter for years and years. And no, I'm not talking about that weird acrimony tweet. Today, we shall be discussing live action movies. The thing that we hate, love sometimes. The delicate art of transferring an animated piece of work into a full real life motion picture is difficult. I'm not gonna pretend that it's an easy walk in the park. It's not impossible to do it well, but it's really, really easy to fuck it up. We've seen examples of both happening. I could have used a thousand other couples to do this because there really are a lot of examples out there, but I'm biased. So I'm gonna be using a Disney princess. Specifically, we're looking at Princess Jasmine and Aladdin from both versions of Disney's Aladdin. Obviously, I can't speak about them both individually because that they're essentially the same material. They just make a different garment. And the, if I tried to do that, it would this episode would be 50 minutes long. And I know you guys don't want to hear me talk for 50 minutes. I like my solid 35 minutes vibe that I have going on, you know? So, yeah, in order to fully explore this topic and, the, and my point, um, I need to speak about them almost simultaneously, not really in a comparison kind of way. I'm just trying to speak about them as if they're one thing, because I guess technically they're one thing. Put, but I'll obviously be putting more emphasis on the live action because that's the one that we're looking at here. I'm going to be saying live action and original a lot, so to try and make it easier for me and even you, when I say, when I'm talking about the original, I'm, I'm gonna say OG. And when I'm referring to the live action, I'll say, LV. I don't know how long I'm going to keep this up for. We're going to see how lazy I get. Lovers, I'm looking forward to this. I'm really, I was really excited about this episode. Um, as I mentioned on, early on in season one, I am a whore for the princess cinematic universe. I love Disney princess movies. I, I, I really do. Can't explain it. It's just who I am. OG Aladdin was my bread and butter. 
when I was in primary school. I can't tell you how many times I've seen it in that classroom alone and then there's the times I've seen it on my own personal time. I really like this. I really liked this film when I was young. I still like the OG one now. I've watched the LV a couple of times now. Um, both times on television because when it was on cinemas, I didn't have money. There's definitely a lot I have to say on this. Let's not waste way too much time. Here is Jasmine and Aladdin. I'm going to mention a few facts about the OG in the middle of this. Just because I feel like I have to honor the nerds, the people that come here and are really interested in the in the background production of things so this is for y'all uh <laughs> the og was directed by ron clements and john Musker. these men are responsible for some of the most successful disney movies ever specifically disney princess movies but I just want to say Disney Disney movies because wow they've made some legendary legendary stuff. They're they're Disney icons by now. They gave us Little Mermaid, Moana, Princess and the Frog. The list it continues and it was added upon with this film, the Elvie. <laughs> I'm sorry. The LV was written and directed by Guy Ritchie. You guys know Guy Ritchie. If you put Masker and Clement's resume and you put it right next to Ritchie's, you can't help but wonder how the man behind Sherlock Holmes made Aladdin. Now, lovers, this is not to say that directors shouldn't do projects or things outside of their genre. Like that, that's your free your freedom as an artist is you're allowed to do whatever you want. It's just that it doesn't happen a lot, or if it does happen, it's more of a director is dipping their hand into two different genres that we are used to seeing go hand in hand you know what i mean um i was worried because i had no idea how richie was going to add his style to this film and he's known for that what you see okay when you watch sherlock holmes or king arthur the very recent ones the sherlock holmes with rdj and the king arthur with charlie hannam i think yes um, if you see those two films, you can clearly get to see what Guy Ritchie's style is like. I have not yet watched The Gentleman, so I don't know how similar it is to the other two. So note that I will never mention The Gentleman, only because I haven't seen it yet. Okay. So Guy Ritchie, he, Guy Ritchie he's an action and adventure kind of man, the, the type of work that he puts out. So I was skeptical. I, I'm not going to lie. I was a little skeptical. 
I stopped being skeptical while I was watching it and I realized that Aladdin is actually quite close to King Arthur. It just has a lot more magic. You, you'll see the similarities if you really look for them, but they're there, I promise you. All this to say, I think that Richie did a good job. Um, I'm glad he didn't make Aladdin the narrator of the thing because he does this thing where he makes a protagonist or like a side character do the narration. And it was nice to hear the story still kind of from the perspective of Genie and not Aladdin. As I mentioned before, Richie also did the screenplay alongside John August. They had to rely heavily on the OJ script as we see people do all the time when they make a live action. And they added their own, I wanna say, their own modernized pieces. It's really, guys, it's really hard to make the older princess movies less misogynistic but we simply have to try as as a progressive society we must do our best to to fix that and there were moments in the in the film the lv there were moments where it felt like aladdin's lines they sounded like they were made for Uatha or sherlock to say I don't know how much of that is simply because Aladdin's personality was like that or if it's a little inspiration from the man behind the script. But that's that's Guy Ritchie for you. Like, it's not, I'm not complaining about it, I'm just pointing it out. I wanted to send a special shout out to the visual effects department. When people hear about something animated becoming a live action, they really want something that visually matches what we got in the OG. Now I know that we have progressed in technology. There's a lot of things we can do now in live action movies that we probably couldn't have done maybe 10, 20, 30 years ago. I acknowledge that. I do. But there's only so much you can replicate if you're coming off cartoons. Because with cartoons, think about this, in cartoons, they could literally make it, they could possibly make anything, even at the time when those things weren't realistic. So to try and replicate that with, um, this, with the technology that we had now, I had this worry that it would look way too CGI, especially during those scenes where Genie is being very theatrical and he's being very um, himself. But it didn't look too bad all the time. There were like little moments, but it wasn't too bad all the time. And I appreciate that. Um, thank goodness for technology. It didn't look too bad. We'll have a chat about how Jeannie looks another day. Just, ooh, ooh, not today. I appreciate the 2D animation of the OG one. The, the animators gave us beautiful visuals considering that it was like 1994, three, two. Wow, I can't believe I already forgot. 
But yeah, it was the 90s. They gave us really great visuals considering the time. Um, it was pretty. It was, yeah, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful set. Casting time. Um, portraying the iconic first non-white princess, we have Naomi Scott as Princess Jasmine. I take that back. I don't know if she was actually the first. I know she's one of the earliest non-white princesses. Mulan, well, guys, Mulan's not a princess, but that's a chat for another day again. Sorry, back to what I was saying. I first met Miss Scott in a uh, small, thought-provoking indie film called Lemonade Mouth. Um, I'm sure all the cool people have heard of it. It's really great. Um, she was good in it. She was really great in that for me at the time that I watched it, which was probably like when I was 11 or 12. I blinked twice and suddenly she was being cast in everything. There was Power Rangers and then there was the new Charlie's Angels. Just, yeah, no, she has a thing for, re for reboots. But yeah, she was just getting these roles and mm, listen i like her she looks regal she can hold a note and she can make us laugh i only wish for more and better for her that's it that's all i have to say portraying the hunky prince by marriage street rat we have mina pursued as Aladdin. Earlier I mentioned how this movie was my bread and butter, my staple, my everyday morning breakfast this movie was to me in primary school. Part of the reason why that was, not because I was a big fan of animated movies, it was partially due to the fact that hey, I had a crush on Aladdin. I did. I really did. He is super fun. Um, top three of the princes. I'm not going to disclose the rest of the list, but just know he top three. Um, and the LV doesn't disappoint. Mr. Minamsud does not disappoint where that's concerned. I haven't seen any of his other work, so I have nothing to judge him on. I was more excited about them not making Aladdin some white guy we already know with a really bad tan. Yo guys, thank the Lord Timothy Awazutula, otherwise it would have been a different story. Yeah guys, um, I liked Masood here. He, he had the charm, he, I thought he was going to be a soft marshmallow of a person for the kind of role that Richie had written. You know what I mean? I thought that he wouldn't be the protagonist that Richie wanted. He he did. He did. And he managed to add a nice sprinkling of awkward boy energy and that's always welcome to me. Yeah, ne? Hollywood must stop being weird and hire him for stuff. 
just saying. Both of them, beautiful gowns. Beautiful gowns. I do like their scenes together way more than the, the ones from the OG couple. Something about the voice acting when they were together specifically it was just not... I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't there, all the way there for me. Honorable mentions. I have to begin with the highest billed person on this cast, and that is Will Smith, who, who portrays our genie. This role came with a lot of pressure. Fans cannot imagine this role not being done by the late, great Robin Williams. They really attached, we're, I say they, they really attached to that character. He was, like I said, a, a icon to people like me who watched this movie over and over again. Um, so when you're making a live action with iconic characters like this, you have to decide early on whether or not you're going to give people that same energy if you're going to try to do this exactly the same way or if you're going to change it completely because that's that's a tough spot to fill people people have tough tough spots to fill sometimes smith was definitely matching the energy of the genie and I'm glad that he didn't try too hard to do it exactly the way that Williams did it. There was more of his personality in this. Yeah. They're different. They're different genies, but they're good for for their reasons. They're not one's not worse than the other, I think controversial take i don't know i don't think so i don't know um yeah i'm just really glad that he didn't try to replicate what williams gave us gave us they avoided a major train wreck by doing that um i quickly wanted to mention our antagonist jafar fun fact lovers did you know that in the oj they were did i say oj wow og in the OG, they were going to make Sir Patrick Stewart Jafar, but he had to pass up the gig because of taking another job. I think it was for Star Trek. But look, take that, take that fact and think about it for a moment. Imagine that. Imagine that we had Sir Patrick Stewart as Jafar. In the LV, we have... Marwin Kanzari as our Jafar. Yeah, all I will say is that you need to watch him in Old Guard. That's all I will say. That's all you need to know. Onto the plot. If you have never seen either version of this film, I don't know what to tell you personally. Mostly because I don't know how you feel about animated movies. I don't know how you feel about Disney princess movies. I don't know how altogether interested you are in this thing. So I can't tell you whether or not you will enjoy it. I watched it recently with people that had never seen either of them or had not. They didn't altogether remember the original version. 
and I realized that the live action is it's the best version to show those kinds of people the kinds of people that have seen neither and they know nothing it's best if you show them the live action personally i think you should see it because it's still a good story whether you're into animation or disney princesses or stuff like that i think you should watch it because it's a cool story and you'll find something to like about it if you simply cannot recall what happens let me jog your memory a poor, out-of-luck man discovers a magical lamp with a wish-granting genie. He uses the genie's magic to impress a princess and defeat an evil sorcerer. Now, lovers, take a moment. Tell me how this description doesn't sound exactly like King Arthur. It's just a, a bit more magic and a bit more awkwardness. You know the deal by now, spoilers ahead, can't avoid them, keep your hands and your feet inside the carpet at all times. Let's explore Jasmine and Aladdin. In season one, episode two, I stated that Tiana and Naveen were my favorite royal couple from this franchise. If I had to pick a second, I'd choose Mulan and Lee. If I had to pick a third, I'd choose Jasmine and Aladdin. I like them a lot. I really do. They're cute and they're adorable. I'm obviously going to elaborate in this part about why I like them so much. Um, I guess after years of pre-cyberbullying, Disney... They gave us a princess that doesn't fall in love with the first man that they saw. These two had to get to know each other a little before and they had that chance to set that foundation and start off on a, on a mutual note. There's a mutual um, connection that we see here and that's really great and that's really lovely for the reasons why it's great and it's lovely. And also because it justifies the rest of the movie. Like we understand why they both work so hard to be together. Or they do the things that they do to, to be together. I They definitely have chemistry. There's definitely a mutual connection. Like an emotional connection that they form. And... Jasmine, from what we see her do and what we hear her say, genuinely likes him. That's important to note because we've seen who she's been rejecting and who she's been uh, setting aside because she doesn't feel like marrying this person. And <sighs> compared to those jerks and weirdos, Aladdin is way better. He's a, a to he's a total upgrade. And that's how we can kind of guess that okay, Jasmine really likes this boy. To make to make matters better, this boy loves her. He is head over heels for her. Aladdin might be the first gone boy prince that we've ever seen. He how oh guys he wanted 
Jasmine. When he was asked to describe her, he couldn't even finish speaking without like melting away in just sighs and admiration. Longing gazes. Oh, oh, the awkwardness. When everything was going good, when his plan was working, it was going to work out and he get he, he finally got to see Jasmine. He basically messed it up by being this nervous, awkward wreck. I love that. I like that because it's super adorable and it's relatable. It would make sense that this person has such an effect on them that he cannot be his self. Like he can't even relax because this person has this huge effect on, on him. That's a symptom of being head over heels. I want to see that more in our Disney princes. Like I, we get it now. These girls love these guys, but they have to do this weird thing to get this guy. We understand now. We, we get the point, Disney. Not always the being too cool or too oblivious to notice that this girl likes him, Prince. I'm tired of that. Like, show me that you're in love, my dude. Like, show me that you are equally in this. Disney needs needs to normalize that a bit more, please and thank you. And I think yeah, but this that that very obvious, very loud wanting is part of the reason why I really like Aladdin. What I don't like is the trope of she's out of my league that they're pushing with this movie. And other movies kind of like it. It's only annoying because men are the only ones that get these kind of stories. Men are the only ones that get the, oh, she's out of my league, but somehow she will find it in her heart and in my fire personality to kind of love me and to like accept me and we'll fall in love. And that's grand. That's great wonderful leagues are pretty ridiculous so i i i don't mind movies where people go outside of their supposed leagues but it's kind of weird that this trope never happens or is never done for women like you when you put an attractive man and i guess an undesirable woman in a movie that attractive man is going to be there for like she, he's going to be there, but just slightly out of her reach. So we think that they could possibly ever be a thing, but not in this lifetime, but that's how the rice dolls. What? I'm trying to say that's how the dice rolls. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Anyway, I'll excuse it here because for the time that this movie was supposedly, supposedly set in, classism really was a league thing. Like, there was such a thing as leagues. I'm not saying it isn't now, but I'll excuse, I'll excuse it. I hate the league thing, but I'll excuse it for this. One of the highlights of this couple, for me as a viewer, one of my favorite scenes, is... When they sing the beautiful ballad, 
a whole new world. <sighs> Let me just sigh. That song is beautiful. I don't know if it's the lyrics or if it's the idea of it as a song. I just really love that song. I think it is wonderful. I think it's so romantic and whimsical. Yeah, no, that song bangs severely. So we've already established that these two people, they like each other. They've, ha they've put that solid foundation for us where we know that there's the chemistry and there's the connection that's already there. It's just that Jasmine doesn't know who this specific person is. But we know. If that hadn't happened previously, then this would have been the song where it happens. And I'm glad that that wasn't the case. This carpet karaoke was the perfect romantic gesture. It's the thought of just being able to jet off. It's the adventure of it, the spontaneity of it. But also, along with the how beautiful I said the song is, it's just a very perfect moment and it's a perfect gesture. There's a moment right after they get back when they're saying goodnight to one another and there's the silence that's followed by this big kiss and I really like that moment because it was the tipping point of the story and the best part before the I guess climax happens or the, dan the danger element happens. I like that Aladdin doesn't overshadow Jasmine's ambitions here in the LV. He never at any point wanted to be Sultan. Even in the OJ even in the OG, he was all about winning Jasmine over. The Sultan thing was just a thing that happened along with him winning Jasmine over. But in the LV, the title is passed on to Jasmine as it should have in the beginning. And I imagine that Aladdin stood by in a very supportive husband manner. And yeah, Jasmine deserved that title, let's be honest. She's the only princess without a movie based on her. So it was nice to see that the writers included this little bit to show that he could step back and let her handle the government section, the government, the the title that she deserved in the first place. And he can just be there as the guy that minds his business and loves his wife. That's all he had to do. And that was a nice little modernized piece that they added in the script right there. Listen, guys, they're not all together perfect. But by God, they're a lot better than their fellow Disney royals. For those reasons, the beautiful song that they sing and many others, I am a fan of these two. Likes and dislikes time. This segment, I'll mostly be trashing both of them I'm kidding but I do have to call out a few things they're a little petty they might not be a little petty we'll see likes um I enjoyed how big the musical numbers were 
I'm one of those people that really liked the songs. I, I, I know the lyrics to a lot of them. There's a, there's a lot of songs that I was looking forward to seeing because when you have a powerful genie that makes things just appear at will, <clears throat> I'm sorry, appear at will, and you're going to have to prove it visually. And they did that very nicely with the animation in the OG one. And they played off Robin Williams' um, dialogue and the little thing and the little skits he would do, I guess, in the in between. It's much easier to make big grand musical sequences in animation so it didn't translate a hundred percent into the lv and that's completely fine what we got in the lv was also really great too it was it was as dramatic it was as theatrical and i appreciate that as a person that was into the songs um yeah what we get is cool i'd like i like how they tweaked the original songs in prince ali there's this long pause before they get to the third verse where they like slow it down for a second it's a very small change it's a very small detail but i like the execution of it i also actually liked will smith's um his i guess rapping singing in this movie Robin Williams wasn't a singer either, so I wasn't expecting a lot of vocal excellence, but they they both did a great job. Will did his job very close to the kind of person that he has presented himself as. Like it was very it was very fresh prints, and I actually did like that. I thought it would irritate me, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, guys, they made sure that the musical numbers were big, and I like that. I also like the stunt work on here. I thought to achieve a lot of the things that happened in the animation, they would rely a lot more on um, making everything digital, like CGI. Because, guys, it's, you know, it's hard to animate some of the things Aladdin was doing. Aladdin was kind of a ninja at times just jumping around and you know that whole song where he describes how he's like flexible and agile it seems like there was a lot more focus on them doing practical stunts though for the lv you could see that mina masood was doing some of the stuff well obviously maybe not him but like in a stunt double or something but like you could see that they were trying to do the things instead of like just drawing them in later and that's cool shout out for that shout out to the stunt team for that dislikes yeah um yeah ne? while i understand that there was a lot of work that they had to do on jasmine to make her a fully rounded person which i appreciate because in the og one Sometimes it felt like Jasmine was half a human being, half a character. So I appreciate it. Mm. I feel like there was no need for that solo song. I cringe every time it comes on. It's just... <sighs> Disney does a lot 
to show feminism instead of just practicing regular regular old feminism i'm so sorry miss scott but yeah not that song um i don't like this version of jafar when a movie has an antagonist like him i want i want to get an antagonist where i'll at least support your vision maybe i don't want you to win but i can see why you want to win here and in the og one i just i don't support him at all i don't know who to blame for that i don't know who to, if i should blame the writers i don't know if i should let it slide because you're not meant to like the antagonist yeah i mean i guess that should be a plus i guess you should not want to want to support him but you know i'm different <laughs> i'm different um this is more a general rant more than a dislike live actions are becoming a guaranteed check for people and i don't like that nostalgia as we know is one hell of a drug and i know people will pay big money to maintain that nostalgia to bring back those wonderful memories and these stories that they appreciated when they were younger i get that i feel like we're not making good original work anymore and I also feel like our live actions are just getting worse and worse. There will be a lot less fixing to do. Uh, they Like, you know, when they have to alter like the original script, there will be a lot less fixing or modernizing to do if you invested in original content. There's a lot of ideas and stories that can be animated or be made live actions that would just make more not make more sense but like would add more to the cinema world you can't just keep making uh live actions to make sh to know that you're going to definitely make a banger because people want to relive their memories guys we can have both but focus on original content at least I say all of this while still advocating for a live-action Princess and the Frog. Listen, we can't save the original. There's nothing left for us to do, but they could at least try with the live-action. I will talk about this until we get it. I know there's a draft somewhere. I know someone has pitched it. I know someone has thought about casting so-and-so. So Disney, make more original stuff or improve how you tackle live actions it is simple it is simple it's the end of the show this entire episode was technically a battle so Who's a fave was essentially the title of this episode. But there's other couples I could have done. And in the spirit of that, this this week's Who's Your Fave is another duel of OG versus live action. In this corner, we have Belle and the Beast 
from the original Beauty and the Beast versus their live action Belle and Beast. I personally do not know who called for a live action Beast, but I hope you're happy with what we got because it is terrifying. I've obviously watched both and I have a biased opinion. You may feel differently to me, but my vote doesn't matter because your vote matters. Vote on our Twitter and Instagram poll. I shall put them up swiftly after we upload this episode. If you don't vote, you will watch me rig the poll and I will let what, what I consider my favorite really win. If you appreciate democracy, you will vote on the polls. Thank you so much for being with us today. We're more than halfway through the season. Things are going great. Things are going lovely. I have still so many surprises and episodes lined up for you guys. Please stick with me. I need you more than you need me. Um, See you at a different time on a different day.